following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Mini bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! My name is Matt Perez. My name is Satchel Drakes. And this is Overworld, where we try to be curious, fail at being smart, and talk about video games at the intersection of art, society, and other stuff. But first, a quick break to thank Rocket Mortgage and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free, which saves you a couple hundred bucks at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's pretty good. I've just been playing a lot of League of Legends. You? That's good. That's good. It's uh, not. It's not. Warcraft. It's been great. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is bad. It's all I do is we're my still, time now. Yeah, <laughs> we're still in our worlds of of uh, MMOs that suck us in. Yeah, it's kind of terrible. Um, but moving away from that, E three is coming up, so we have to talk about There's new games on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe something will be announced to pull us out of our habitual uh, hell holes. You think that? You think that? <laughs> But like uh, I don't oh, know, like how how do you feel about uh how do you feel about E three? I feel like it was the most hype thing to talk about and think about and dream about going to, like when I was in high school, you know. It seems like this untouchable mecca for anybody who was enthusiastic about video games. And then like later on as I got older and I started getting more involved with like talking about games and seeing like some of my friends in a more press kind of oriented uh, place. I was like, oh, it's possible to like go out to these and cover these. Like that would be kind of cool. And it was like really exciting to think about like that and all the different things that would be announced. And I I would always follow along faithfully. Um, I mean, at the time, like whether it was kind of like Engadget or just kind of checking out Kotaku, um, once they started live streaming, I would watch those. These days... I just kind of read some liner notes afterwards. <laughs> um, I just I just have a different attitude towards it, I guess. Yeah. Um, not cynical or bitter or anything, but it's just sort of changed over time. Yeah. How about yourself? It's more like you just want to see, like, what was announced? Oh, I'll watch the trailer for that. Okay. Uh, yeah. I feel like I had, like, the same trajectory, though, where, I, like, I remember I was probably, like, 2001-ish. I remember uh, when, like, GameCube was announced, and I had my Electronic Gaming Monthly, man. And they like went through all the games and everything. I like had trouble sleeping later that night because I was so excited for the stupid little cube, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, the same thing. Like, a- as time went on, yeah, definitely like watch all the live streams and everything. Um, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it does. It kind of like, gets like a little predictable and it gets, you know, repetitive and you kind of, ex- you know, know what to expect, know what to look out for. And it's also just, me just being kind of like overly cynical sometimes where I'm like everyone is talking like talking about how they're grading uh the press conferences and stuff and I'm like it's just a press conference you're grading trailers like <laughs> uh, well, I think I think part of it is definitely part of the cynicism is justified because you you start to realize over time that the press conference is self-aware and it's self-aware of its prowess and its attention and its mind share and mm. so you have like no matter what's being released, you have like this high octane level of excitement that feels a bit disingenuous over time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, yeah, I guess like part of it's like, yeah, me being cynical. Part of it, I do still, I think, enjoy kind of the spectacle because I don't know. I was just browsing online today and I saw like a picture of Samus Aran. I was like, oh man. They announced Metroid. I want to know like everything about it, and like it just reminds me of like when they talked about Metroid Prime at E3, and that was super t- cool. Um, but yeah, like it is a thing of you know I can just kind of do my normal thing and just watch trailers, and you you basically get the gist of the show because it went from yeah. I remember like years ago, it used to feel very formal, and they would talk about like. I believe they talked about like sales numbers and stuff, right? And, th- and then it became, yeah, like the the 
everyone's favorite now uh, E3 show now is like Sony's. It's sports. Oh, yeah. Sports. <laughs> yeah. sports. Yeah, our system what... good. Your system bad. No, our system good. <laughs> yes. But like it's exciting though. Like I yeah, love well, that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, and like Sony's is always like, oh, this is the best one, right? It's literally them just showing you trailers and nonstop and like – I don't know. It's right. kind of you know. It's basically like what I'm like there for. It's like I just want to, I guess, to see some cool trailers, and that's kind of it. Uh, and part of it's like I think you do have to like, and and I feel like people understand like you you have to put it in in its like, you know, figure that like it, it's building hype. Like that's what it's for. It's just there to build hype. Yeah. Understand that hundred percent. Don't get too like yeah. oh, I'm gonna buy this, this, and this. It's like, you know, breathe a little bit. You know, it's fine. <laughs> like <laughs> the thing is, these games like they're gonna come out anyway. Like these these games were made or in the process of being made, or they just started development and they'll be made eight years from now. And like no matter where they are, like they're coming out eventually. So the idea of being able to have this place where we speculate on what's inevitably going to happen and talk about it and then also to kind of create this bank of time where corporations get to listen and kind of see what's going on it's pretty cool you know what i mean i mean considering it's an annual thing it happens once a year that part is pretty interesting to see and we've we've reaped some benefits out of it of course like the sort of infamous Xbox One having uh, always sentient situation <laughs> with its connect constantly like looking at you while you're like you know sleeping in your boxers or um, not being able to trade games and things like that like the the premature backlash of that definitely helped well I'm liberally using the word helped but nonetheless helped <laughs> Xbox One's launch day release where mm. it didn't have any of those things yeah. And it definitely well, I guess it, it's also a um, an all boats float. Is that the idiom where you know? I think these companies probably could do their own press conferences throughout the year, and some do. Um, but it all happening at once over like a weekend, I think, builds so much focus on it that like you're gonna get a lot of eyes. Like, yeah, yeah. like I don't think, and the competition too. Yeah, because. It would be one thing, like, for everyone to just be like Apple and have their, like, have their separate talk, but you don't get the nice, fun banter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you're, you're getting people that are probably, over, like, super dedicated to Sony. They're going to watch the Microsoft stuff, too, probably, you know, because they want to grade it. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I think that's oh. beneficial to all, each, like, the competition. It's like you're getting eyes on this that probably weren't going to be that all that interested anyway so why not but i do also get i always get peeved uh when uh ea shows uh, anything sports related and everyone's like oh sports who cares and part of me is like i'll probably play fifa more than a lot of the games they're showing. <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to see it at a press conference but I do get mad, like, yeah, you make fun of him, but I'm going to play it more than whatever yeah, game yeah. you're excited about, so. <laughs> oh, man, that's so real. For the longest time, what I've wanted to know is the correlation between this kind of hype and, like, is this is this impacting anything tangible for these companies? You know what I mean? Like, is this sort of... Um, is this impacting sales ultimately? Like, is this building brand loyalty or perhaps feeding like news publications to talk positively or negatively that ultimately change how the consumer spends their money? Like, how is this impacting loyalty? And also, like, how is this evangelizing to sort of like the unsaved? Um, and I'm really glad that we were sort of able to talk with Michael about this and kind of iron out um, just how much this kind of spectacle of an annual event that we've been following for the longest time since the beginning of video games as an industry, almost um, just, just how much it plays into uh, the success or the failure um, or the benefit or the detriment of any of these uh, companies. Yeah. Uh, people always try to say like what E3 is supposed to be. And like for the longest time I was like, Oh, it's for investors. And I'm like, well now it's for consumers. But really, it's just like throwing that out. So it, it's it's really nice to to know exactly what are the tangible effects 
of E3. So yeah, let's jump into it. We talked to Michael Pachter. He's a research analyst at Wedbush Securities, very familiar with the video game industry. Uh, and we talked to him about why E3 does or does not matter. Let's do it. But first, a quick break. Support for the Forbes Overworld podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Uh, thanks for joining us, Michael. My pleasure. Awesome. So we're basically hoping to answer some questions that pop in our heads every E3, mostly having to do with like financial results of it. Uh, so something that everyone does from fans to blogs is like grade each press conference and determine who quote unquote won E3. And it's fun, but like when you get down to like tangible sales and everything, do you think the goodwill from winning a press conference really matters? Not at all. I mean, I, I don't think it's any different than if, you know, USC loses to Stanford. It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't diminish the institution of USC if Stanford beats them in the occasional football game. Um, it just gives the Stanford guys bragging rights for a year, or the USC guys bragging rights if they beat them. So, no, I don't think it matters. And since Nintendo, you know, has essentially gone absent at E3, I mean, they've, they've just gotten into where nobody shows up. It's, a, you know, it's all about Smash Brothers tournaments or this year's Splatoon tournaments. Who cares? I mean, you know, I get they're fun games to play, but who cares who wins the, the Smash Brothers tournament? Um, so they're not going to have a press conference. Uh, Sony is actually going in that direction, which I personally think is a huge mistake because I think they give up a ton of goodwill. But they're going to have, you know, a, a conference, a press conference that is only 200 people. And I again, I don't get why um, I'm one of them. So I guess I'm OK with that. But they're going to show us four first party titles. And, you know, that I, I don't know if they're going to deviate from the plan. But that means we're not seeing Red Dead Redemption at the Sony press conference, which is sad. I mean, that that kind of stuff, those types of reveals are fun. You guys remember in 2014, we had the Grand Theft Auto next gen reveal at the Sony press conference. So I, I think that the press conferences are declining in utility for, you know, for the consumer to figure out what's going on. And I think that the publishers and the manufacturers, Nintendo and Sony, are making big mistakes going away from their traditional press conference. Uh, Microsoft and and EA are actually going the other way. You know, they've gone off-site, off the show floor at E3, and they're kind of hosting their own events at their own venues. And so that that makes the press conference even more important for those guys. And, you know, Ubisoft is the one that kind of consistently surprises us. And, you know, you, don't, you think of Ubisoft as not as big a publisher as EA or Activision, and yet they kind of consistently come out right near the top in all these press conferences. So I think Ubisoft manages the expectations the best and does the best consistently. I think Nintendo is the worst by a large measure by by having almost no presence at all and everybody else in between. Mm -hmm. Well, like, you know, when it comes to, I guess, like, that goodwill and, like, putting out, like, a good show, like, everyone points to, say, like, Sony past few years and especially when uh, the Xbox One was announced outside of E3 and then Sony kind of had, like, a response with its E3 presser, um, and obviously the PS4 has gone on to like dominate the console market space. But how much could you like realistically say E3 helped there? Because I feel like it was, you know, it's a cheaper console with more exclusives and less question marks around its functionality, and that is probably why it ended up doing all right. Was it? Did E3 have any? You know, was there any correlation between EA's good uh, or the Sony presser and sales? Uh, well, I mean. It, 2013 E3, 
was a, a level playing field and an opportunity for Microsoft and Sony to each shine. And Microsoft went first and they, they tripped over their own feet and they, you know, opened up with Connect that nobody cares about and apparently discontinued now and onerous digital rights management, which, you know, people immediately hated. And Sony astutely responded, you know, eight hours later, six hours later. So I was surprised at the speed with which Sony put together you know, their response on how to share a game. I mean, they had Shu Yoshida walk out and hand a, a game to Adam Boys, and it was very clever um, and clearly impromptu, but two people that the fanboys knew and loved. Um, so they, they literally stuck their finger in Microsoft's eye and made fun of them. And I think that was the beginning of the end for Xbox One and of the absolute dominance of PS4. So um, Microsoft blew it. Sony exploited it, and so Microsoft went from, you know, a likely outcome of a B B rating to a C minus or a D, and Sony went from a likely outcome of B rating to an A because they exploited the weakness of their of their competitor. So very smart, and yes, it impacted sales. Okay. Do you think, um, like, with I think it was like 2015, Sony like was like highlighting a lot of games that everyone sort of knew weren't coming out soon like Final Fantasy 7 and Shenmue and things like that where it's like yeah it gets everyone very excited and hyped but you know these things aren't coming out soon uh it, do you think that's kind of like a dangerous game to play like just using almost artificial hype to gain goodwill from a press conference yeah i i think that there's a kind of a common pattern among Japanese developers and, you know, obviously shared by Rockstar where games often take eight to 10 years to come out. I mean, Final Fantasy, I, don't, I can't even count how many years it's been in development. Um, but, but yes, I mean, Sony relies on Japanese developers. So, you know, we're going to see Death Stranding again, what, for the third time this year? And when is that coming? And, and I think about that with Kingdom Hearts. What I, th- I think it was the it was the same E3 that they had that trading of the game that they released the uh, teaser for Kingdom Hearts three and said it was now in development. We're still waiting for it. It's wild. Well, Agent was now in development in two thousand nine from Rockstar. So again, I you know I I don't mean to slur all Japanese developers because it's not that they're all the same. There there are developers that take a decade to make games. So Agent was two thousand nine. Here we are in two thousand eighteen. What's going on? Um, I think we saw Red Dead Redemption at the PlayStation conference in 2006. It came out in 2010. You know, so it's not just uh, Japanese developers, but it's it's very much true of Kojima. It's very much true of Square Enix that, you know, you just get Last Guardian. How many years did that take? I mean, five, six, seven after they first showed it. Um, So that's a weakness that Sony has. But it's also a strength because they have the support of all those developers. And, you know, so I think if I was if I had to pick which outcome, I'd rather be Sony and have all that development support, even though it takes it's going to take Kojima probably into 2022 before we see Death Stranding. How about you mentioned, um, you know, doing like E3 adjacent sort of conferences or live streams like Nintendo does and, you know, Ubisoft taking advantage of that. How about like... I don't, I don't believe uh, Activision Blizzard does a press conference, right? And they're probably the biggest North American third-party publisher, right? Do you, do you think like they just don't have any need to to do something like that? Whereas Ubisoft is, even though it's a billion-dollar company, they are a smaller, relatively smaller uh, company than Activision Blizzard. The thing I love about Activision is uh, its its breadth of portfolio. The thing that is bad for Activision is, is, is its breadth of portfolio. So, you know, that company gets nearly a third of its revenues from King, and you're just not going to show, you know, the next Candy Crush, Candy Crush 2 at, at E3. Um, they get, you know, more than a third of their revenues from Blizzard, and Blizzard has its own event, BlizzCon, and always has. So, it you know, it would be wrong of Activision to insist that Blizzard, you know, show all all the secrets at E3, and Blizzard does it in November, and you know, God bless them because that's a fun event as well. Um, so all that's left for E3 is Activision Publishing, and you know, back 15 years ago, yeah, it was Tony Hawk, and we were pretty excited in Spider Man, 
but those are gone. I mean, there's a new Spider-Man, but not them. Um, then it was Guitar Hero, and we were pretty psyched about that and Call of Duty. Uh, and then Skylanders, you know, but now what? I mean, Destiny 2's out, so what are we going to see? We're going to see Black Ops 4, and that's it. And I, I don't say that to disrespect Activision because their portfolio is unbelievable. It just spread among Activision Publishing, King, and Blizzard, and King isn't appropriate at E3, and Blizzard does its own thing. So they don't have enough content for a press conference, and I think that's why they shun them. Mm-hmm. What about uh, so? Uh, I feel like I, I've I've read this a few times, and I didn't know how much stock to put into it. But like, when talking about say Nintendo doing just a live stream, it's obviously a lot cheaper than like getting an entire theater or you know doing a big event. Is that like an actual consideration for for some of these publishers of le- of that cost, or is that kind of negligible? Negligible. Um, I I think Nintendo is just an odd company. And, you know, they don't do things the way everybody else does. And so, you know, I guess on the one hand, that's endearing. And on the other hand, it's incredibly frustrating. But, you know, I do like you believe it's to their detriment or to their benefit. I personally overall. think to their detriment. Um, I, I think that people liked Reggie being uh, on stage. Reggie is a fun guy. He's a he's a entertaining, engaging personality. And, you know, I think Miyamoto clearly is. And so I don't think, you know, back in the day, you used to have the press conference and Iwata would get out there and he was fine. I mean, he said he was a, a good, good presenter. But between Iwata and Miyamoto and Reggie, it was a spectacle. And I think, you know, E3 is about driving consumer and retail awareness of your products and getting people excited and getting people to anticipate them. I think a live stream doesn't accomplish that. And and especially a live stream where you're showing a Smash Brothers tournament. Who cares? You know, I think people want to see what's going on with Pokemon. And, and are we going to get, you know, what exactly are these new Pokemon Go extensions on the Switch? And, and even Fortnite on the Switch. I think it would be great to have the Epic guys get up there and talk about how great the gameplay is going to be. And, you know, show it and show cross-platform play. And they're just missing an opportunity to do that. And I, you know, I, I do think to their detriment, um, a lot of it though is because Iwata got sick. And so, you know, he, he, we didn't know obviously that he was as sick as he was. Uh, but the first E3 he pulled out of, he was clearly like really sick. And then the next year he, he was dying. Um, so I think that, that it was a consequence of his, you know, physical health challenges that caused them to go in a different direction that's behind us. Why they've stayed in the different direction, it's classic Nintendo. They they look in the mirror and they see, you know, that they're just perfect in every way. And they're, they're surrounded by fanboys who tell them that they're brilliant. It's a dumb strategy and nobody's willing to tell them that. Are there other companies, like, I, I guess, like, sometimes there are reveals outside of E3 where it's like... Um, sometimes. Uh, it, it, I mean... Or, Will those still drive engagement? You know, I I saw a very funny tweet yesterday. They said that E3 should be 100 new games and the last one not to be revealed before E3 is the winner. Um, You know, so, you know, I don't it's hard to know how how coordinated some of these reveals are. Like, obviously, Bethesda and Fallout 76, that was intentional. I mean, they revealed it. The uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey reveal, you know, this French website shows a keychain with a little, you know, helmeted, what, uh, Greek, was it Roman? Greek warrior, Roman Greek, warrior, think, with a yeah. Spartan warrior, I guess. Probably Greek. Um, anyway, they show that, yeah, Odysseus, uh, sorry, it's Greek. Um, they showed the little Greek warrior helmet. And then somehow the website said the game's coming in 2019. If the game's coming in 2019, why are we selling memorabilia now? That doesn't make any sense at all. So, you know, I think this whole thing was orchestrated. And then, of course, um, several hours later, the, the, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey t- Twitter account put up a you know a, a banner. So apparently that was orchestrated. They knew they were announcing it. I'm not sure why. Maybe it just gets people really excited about their press conference. In, t- to credit Ubi, they're the only guys who have surprised me at E3 in the last five years. 
Like I didn't know about, you know, Mario and, and, and Rabbids kingdom, whatever the hell it was called. I didn't know that game was coming. Like that was a real surprise. And not that I actually gave a shit, but I didn't know about skull and bones either until I saw it at their press conference. So there, they managed to keep things, you know, beyond good and evil too. They managed to keep things quiet. I don't know how they do that. Everybody else, they leak like sieves. With with those type of like reveals and like those surprises and whatnot, that seems very consumer focused. Like when it comes to, I guess investors, is that at all a consideration? Like, do investors care about E three? Yeah, they care a lot. And um, it, you know, it, it at the end of the day, if you're going to buy, uh, make an investment in a video game publisher or manufacturer, um, you care very much about whether people are going to buy their products. So, you know, the the best way for an investor to assess a company's health, you know, the health of their product slate is to to observe consumer reaction. And I think it's immensely helpful to investors to see how enthusiastic, you know, the fans are. Um, Again, you know, uh, some idiot on Twitter uh, who's, who's somebody I know posted, you know, that that people pre-ordering Fallout 76 are what's wrong with the video game industry because they're pre-ordering a game based on a trailer. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, it's Fallout. I'm pre-ordering it. It's like, it's what I love. <laughs> of course we're going to buy that. And so, you know, this guy is a, is, is a somewhat prominent video game observer, but he's just wrong. And I think, you know, investors need to see that, that there really are large installed bases of fans who are going to buy anything that says Call of Duty or anything that says Star Wars or, you know, anything that says Assassin's Creed on it. And that's healthy. That If you want to invest in these companies, you want to believe that if even if they turn out a relatively poorly crafted game, somebody's going to buy it. Maybe it's just more insular, like from the insiders, but there seems to be a lot of cynicism around E3. And you see, like, you know, you're, you're getting, like you said, people pulling back with doing big press conferences and stuff. But is, I guess, like, is part of it, like, the big benefit of E3 is that it's just kind of fun for people and, like, and being able to, like, I guess the investors seeing that people enjoy it and, and are getting excited about stuff is another type of benefit from it. Yeah, I think that's the, the, primary benefit and the guys who are getting jaded um god i wish i could explain this it's a psychological malady you know it's 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 acting bored so that you can show people how important you are um the guys who say oh my god this is my fifth e3 i'm so worn out them like really like really it's like (laughs) you know it's funny internally we call it our Super Bowl, you know, for my firm. It's like this is the highlight of our year. I love E3. And, you know, it's it's a time – I love it mostly because I get to see everybody. And, you know, I see five or 600 people at E3 that I don't see throughout the year. So it, it's an opportunity to connect with everybody. It's an opportunity for all the publishers to absolutely shine. Um, consumers, it it's overload in terms of how much – you know, people see and can consume. And I actually think, although it's not executed well, I think that um, the ESA selling, you know, consumer passes to E3 is a great idea. I just think they need to kind of limit the hours that, that, that consumers are in there so that it's not overwhelming all at once for everybody. But I think that's good. I think it's healthy. I think the Jeff Keeley uh, E3 show is really healthy. Uh, one thing that I was kind of curious to know about your point for the consumer passes was so for the longest time E3 has sort of been um, this sort of industry slash press slash enthusiast pressed kind of exclusive event, and then some people could watch on live stream later uh, with sort of like this kind of invitation of consumers to come and enjoy themselves. Has it changed the the posture of messaging, the kind of things that happen at the event itself, the ethos of the event at all? I don't think it's changed. Well, they, last year is, I think last year is first year, but it didn't change uh, much internally. It's just that it got much more crowded. 
So, you know, these people are there. I have to say, you know, like I, I, I try not to schedule meetings that start at 10 inside the convention center because the convention center opens at 10. But it's really fun if you have to be there at 10 because there's a thousand people right outside the doors. And as soon as the doors open, they all run inside all at once. So, you know, that's the consumers. I mean, the the, the right. business people and the press don't run. I mean, we, we walk through. Right. Uh, but but it made the whole thing crowded. I mean, I think if if. The organizers were a little smarter. They probably, you know, make the consumer show from two o'clock on each day. And the first sort of like a Costco membership, you know, the premium members get to get in a little earlier. I hear that. That's like a final question. Do you think we'll kind of always have E3 as like a big like the big gaming event? Because I feel like it's crazy because I feel like I remember reading like an old EGM from probably like a decade ago of like, oh, it's. E3 is probably going to die soon, but it's, it's kind of stuck around. So, and, and, and now we're having discussions about like, oh, maybe more people will do the Nintendo director out, but do you think we'll always have like at least like at June, midway through June, there'll be like a big event and that's where a lot of these releases will come out or like a lot of these announcements will come? I think that it's foolish of the industry if they even consider abandoning E3. And and not just because of the press event, but it's the biggest money maker for the Entertainment Software Association, and they obviously rely upon dues from their members. But you know, I think that that investors, consumers, the gaming press overlook that the ESA actually does something that's positive for the industry. They're the guys. They're the last bastion of defense between you know retailers banning sales of of m-rated games or not retailers states banning sales of m-rated games or regulating loot boxes or you know essentially stamping down on free speech so you know i think that it's essential that the industry embraces the esa this is the esa's big event and i think notwithstanding that microsoft and ea have moved off the show floor they have to remain members of the esa they have to make sure that there is an event that is important um, that everybody gathers at because, you know, the ESA, if the ESA goes away, I think the industry is going to see itself regulated and not, and powerless to fight off guys like, you know, um, Ted Cruz, who prop, you know, who is happy to own a gun, but thinks that video games cause, um, you know, violence in schools. You've really got to have an effective lobbying organization and, you know, the Matt Bevan in Kentucky said that to the governor of Kentucky. Um, you can't have like Kentucky outlawing games. That would be bad. So again, E3 matters. Um, I, what I really like to see is it become more inclusive and, and have more, you know, international developers, more 10 cents there, um, gung ho's and, and even, you know, the kings and supercells of the world, because they're impacted by this stuff, too. I mean, they really are. And, and they all should embrace the industry. And it's an opportunity for everybody to to embrace the industry. Yeah. Do you think like Devolver Digital, like having uh, a presence there, uh, like uh, help, like is a step in that direction? Well, I mean, those guys are, are a publisher. I mean, an independent publisher. But um, those guys are piggybacking on on the you know, the appeal of E3. And the, so they set up in a parking lot across the street. And that's great. Again, there's something for everybody. You know, yes, independent games matter. And so the publisher of independent games having a presence matters. I think that, you know, the ESA would prefer that Devolver Digital be inside the tent, not outside. And I get that Devolver doesn't want to pay five million bucks or whatever it costs to have a booth at E3. So, you know, they're, they're the ones, unlike not Nintendo, who are obviously impacted by the cost, but they're small. So that that's small and privately held. So I mean, I understand that. This has been really, really insightful, really thoughtful. Never really been able to put numbers to the hype. Sometimes it feels like really hard to differentiate the correlation between the two or if they're even correlated at all. So that's, it's been great. Yeah. I have to say that, you know, my, my parents are both gone, but I remember my mom, uh, you know, before she died and she died a couple of years ago, but for the 15 years before that, the only time ever she asked me about what I did was because she saw E3 on either CNN or CNBC or, or NBC news. 
And she was like, are you at that video game thing? You know, and it's like the idea <laughs> that an 80-year-old woman would be, you know, asking about video games because that's the one time of the year that mainstream press reports on it. I mean, you guys you are mainstream, but you guys actually focus on games as a, as a you know, one of your core competencies. But ABC News doesn't, you know, and so it's pretty impressive. And C- CNBC was on the show floor probably eight or ten years ago. I think the year that PS3 launched. They were on the show floor, and they, they actually broadcast from the floor of E3. That's big, and you, you don't have that if Microsoft and, and EA are off-site. So, you know, I think that EA and Microsoft hurt the industry by pulling off the show floor. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to uh, to talk to us. My pleasure. Uh, where can people uh, find you on Twitter? Oh, at Michael Packer. And uh, I've, I've been hovering just under 45,000 followers for like four years. So I just I can't get out of my own way. Every time I start to to, to gain some followers i say something bad about trump and i lose a few hundred (laughs) and and i've never well called him any bad words i don't use bad words on twitter so i don't and i've never i've never called him a bad word at all i just kind of make fun of the guy and i lose about i lose i regularly lose 200 followers and then i claw back so i'd love i just somehow i feel like i get bragging rights if i ever get to fifty thousand. but i don't think i'm gonna make it anyway <laughs> at michael packer awesome michael well yeah thanks so much for taking the time and uh, hopefully uh you enjoy uh the c3 okay it's my pleasure coming up next eric kane and paul tassi talk about the biggest games coming to e3 this month but first a quick break it's your company hiring every business needs great people and a better way to find them Something better than posting your job online and just crossing your fingers, the right people will see it. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with your right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes and save yourself a couple hundred bucks. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Hi, I'm Eric King. And I'm Paul Tassi. Uh, And by the time this podcast airs, it'll be just right before E3 uh, begins in in Los Angeles. So E3 is the big video game conference uh, held in LA each year in June. Uh, I went last year. Have you ever been to E3? I have not. And judging by your uh, (laughs) account of it last year, I'm not sure I'm missing out on all that much personally. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's going to be, and I think maybe for people in, in this line of work who have friends from around the country, they want to meet up with, I could see the appeal. Mm -hmm. Although I just really rather go to something a little less crazy like GDC because E3 is really, it's just, well, first of all, it's LA and LA is huge and you're just stuck in, you know, even if you want to stay close to where the E3 stuff is going on, like last year, you know, EA's, all their stuff was in Hollywood. So that's all the way across town. Yeah. So you've got, you know, you just got this big city and then um, E3 itself, they had opened up in in past years, they had, you know, sort of a, a le- you know, they had part of the week devoted just to industry people. And then it opened up to the, to the public people who bought tickets. But this last year it was just, which was my first year there, it was open to the public from day one. So uh, just even getting like I went to to demo um, Call of Duty World War Two, and just to get to the booth itself and like find who I was supposed to talk to was like walking through just a sea of people, like shoulder to shoulder, and then standing in line behind a bunch of people who were not in the right line to begin with. Finally, getting to the front and and and, and getting led up to where I was supposed to do the demo, and it's just this like. For the whole time, everywhere you go, it's just so crowded. Yeah, that kind of um, sounds like my worst nightmare. Uh-huh. <laughs> really, I'm not great with crowds to begin with, so like, eh. <laughs> oh yeah. And after this that. day of like being in, you know, trying to be in these really like, oh my god, I went to the Ubisoft booth and um, and I played uh, 
uh, Skull and Bones and de- demoed a couple other things like Far Cry 5. And it was so hot in there. Like, it's just like you couldn't even – it was like an oven. <laughs> you know? like, so you're crowded. It's hot. There's just people everywhere. There's, you know, there's gamers everywhere. There's, uh, you know, the the – the PR people and there's, it's just, it's nuts. Um, I, I think if it had been more like GDC where it was closed to the public for at first and you had just a lot more breathing room, that was nice. Um, but just the combination of all that makes E3 a kind of a tough sell for me. But on the other hand, it is kind of the premier summer video game, uh, expo. And there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff there. There's going to be a lot of Nintendo games. There's going to be probably some, uh, some big games this year, and I, w- I wish I could get to be there just to try to just to play those, you know. Yeah, um, if I could just I go there and play all the big games and leave, like that'd be one thing. But I don't know, yeah. dealing with all the other <laughs> mess is 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 worth it. But yeah, yeah. And so also, yeah. like one more thing. So I know I've been going on for a while, but no, the big no press way. conferences at the beginning, you know, like so so it was kind of fun being at the Bethesda one last year because they made that whole Bethesda land which was like a carnival and they had like a uh, they had rides and they had it all decked out with all these different areas devoted to different games like doom and fallout and that was very creative sort of uh sort of a big production and you know you have free food and free drinks and um, but I could barely see like because of how many people were there when they actually did the 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 big screen and they had uh, you know, the, the CEO come out and they were actually showing the games off. I could barely even see what they were showing. And uh, all these pressers are almost easier to cover and to watch on Twitch. Well, yeah, because they can just full person. screen whatever footage they're mm-hmm. showing. Whereas like trying to cover it live, you know, balancing a laptop and, you know, on your laptop. Wi-Fi like, and <laughs> yeah, with 10 million people on the same Wi-Fi. That's oh, yeah. A yeah it's one thing like at Microsoft's press conference it was like i was up in the in the you know the uh the very very back of this giant auditorium i could barely see see the uh the tiny people down there talking you know phil spencer was so far away it's just like a little dot and at least there i could have my laptop out but at the bethesda one you know it was it was all standing you were out in like a outside carnival area there was nowhere to to type stuff you know and uh Sony's Sony's was definitely my favorite of the press conferences because they start out by having you go into this big, big room with just a whole bunch of TVs set up and you can go play a bunch of games before the press conference even starts, which is really nice. And they have, you know, food and, and drinks and stuff for free. And so you so there is where I ended up playing a whole bunch of different games um, before the press conference even started. Um, so that was the one thing I think last year I really enjoyed was the Sony press conference. Um the the press the conference itself was cool. They had a, like pyrotechnics and stuff, which made it fun. But yeah, they really go this all year, out for theirs. Yeah, this and and I think you know this year I'm glad not to be going because I think it'll be easier to just really pay attention to kind of what's shown rather than just feeling like I'm. It is much easier around. to just watch Twitch streams, as I will attest. <laughs> but I guess I'm being a bad a bad journalist by saying that. Bad but. journalist. <laughs> Uh, we, you're a, you're an op-ed writer. You write opinion pieces. You don't, you don't yes. journalist. Even my news pieces are opinion pieces. So. <laughs> yeah. It's 2018 but, after all. All right. So what, what games are you looking forward to that we know exist or at least have been heavily rumored to exist? Well, okay. So there's kind of the new stuff we've heard about. And then there's the stuff that's been, you know, since last E3 kind of percolating. And I would say that probably overall, my biggest curiosity is Anthem from Bioware, which was Mm -hmm. announced last year's E3 and which I wrote about at the time looked like Bioware's crack at Destiny, basically. Um, And since then, have we heard much of anything about the game? No, literally. I was commenting today. They tweeted some like sort of cryptic decoding message and I looked and they have literally not tweeted anything since last e3 wow and when you think about it i mean there there has been nothing just just nothing at all like not even teases really and i guess that's kind of par for the course now where these larger games just kind of put their heads down and don't i i, I really think anthem in particular doesn't want to overhype itself um lest mm-hmm. you know it, it end up being a letdown so yeah, as it gets closer, we'll obviously see that ramp up. And I, I do think it'll have a big presence at E3. I think it'll definitely be playable there. It has to be. I mean, it, it's coming out in the spring. So 
now would be the time to start uh, demoing it. And my my theory is I think they need to, to come out strong kind of announcing the monetization because uh, yeah. that's something that everyone is concerned about with EA and a loot-based game, which this should be theoretically. And if they just spell it out, like there's no, there's no loot boxes, like you can buy cosmetics outright or we have a battle pass or whatever it is, like say that up front and get it out of the way and then stick with it. And then everyone can just sort of take the game and its announcements as it's come rather than be like, okay, what are you going to, what are you going to pull at the last minute here with this, with this model? So I think that's going to be very important. You need, you want Trevor Noah to show up at E3 and ask Casey Hudson (laughs) if it's pay to win. Is this pay to win? And then Casey Hudson can be like, no, this isn't pay to win. And the whole crowd will go wild. (laughs) I would not put it past that happening. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Yeah, you can now. Is this pay to win? Except for FIFA, because um, it is. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, I think they do need to come out strong there. I, I wonder also if we hear that it's actually being pushed back till a later release date. Too. I don't know if they can anymore. They, I think they committed to March. And then if they if they go out of March, that's out of the fiscal yeah. year. And they're going to get hammered if they, yeah, March if they pull that. March is a release date. So I think it's I think it's good for them, and it'll be out of the crowded fall window, so it won't get buried by all the established oh, yeah. series. Because now, man, we just freaking added a Pokemon Switch game if, in case that wasn't going to be crowded enough already. Um, and a Fallout game, which, which is we that, don't know is for that sure. fall? I'm, okay, yeah, I didn't know. What you know, it was. this is what well, well, this is what Bethesda does with their release schedule. They usually announce and then have the game come out just a few months later. Um, and in the trailer, there's the date October twenty seventh. So it could be like literally uh, which, which could be four months. At, yeah. yeah, it really could. I mean, that's what happened Five with Fallout months. 4. That It only really came out a few, right? I think it was announced at E3 and then came out that, that fall. So um, Yeah, I don't mind that. So, I mean, I don't need like multiple years of hype lest you end up with <laughs> Crackdown 3 or something or The Last Guardian. Uh, yes. But I mean, yeah, we well, could talk about the Fallout thing too because that was just sort of revealed as, as we're recording a couple hours ago. Yeah. Um, and like, so when we say a Fallout game... It, it is not looking like like granted we don't know anything about it officially, but uh, Mr. Jason Schreier, leak master extraordinaire, um, is is saying now that it's an online game that mirrors kind of Rust and Daisy with survivalism, and then using the building system from Fallout Four. And well, it's not said outright. The implication is heavily that there is probably some sort of battle royale component to this. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so hard to say. I guess I mean I guess that's another game that I really am looking forward to hear more about. I, I'm not the biggest Fallout person ever, honestly. So this is probably not as big a news for me as for well, probably for you. Well, I, I, I mean, I can... as as a pretty big Fallout person, the reason I'm a pretty big Fallout person is because I like Bethesda's like sprawling open world single player RPGs. Like I'm also an elder Scrolls person, but I didn't play elder Scrolls online because I didn't want to play an MMO with other people. So it's not like, I'm not really attached to the universes. It's kind of the gameplay and exploration. So if you are just like setting this in fallout and taking the one thing I hated the most from fallout Four, the building, and then putting it into some sort of competitive multiplayer survivalist thing like that's just really not me at all like yeah i play fortnite but like that's not what i'm looking for out of game yeah it's it's like when they were making fable legends where they were were like fables this like rpg single player series and they're like oh now it's like a multiplayer arena game it's like what no like it's at that point it's not really it's not the ip it's what the Mm. ip is attached to like some ips are so big that you can do a bunch of stuff with them. Like, yeah, I, I think it'd be cool to see like an overwatch single player game and an overwatch, you know, multiplayer hero shooter or like star Wars or whatever, but some games, yeah. Like some games are really attached to them because of what they are. And if they become something else, you can just ignore it completely. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even sometimes small ways can really change, you know, like I thought the the most recent Halo game, Halo, Halo five, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, far, it, it, it really fundamentally, it, it got rid of split screen co-op and added in just multiplayer co-op. And I really thought that was a change for the worse. 
Yep, that know, was very like bad. They, and they, they swore they they'd never do change. that again. So yeah, it's like why change something? You know, like like Fallout or Fable. Why change? I, I get it. Like I get wanting to do multiplayer and single player only thing. You know, like like I always thought something like Skyrim with a with an online component where like maybe sixteen players in a in a realm makes sense. You know, like like. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, they went and just made an MMO, you know, and that just completely changes the nature of, of an Elder Scrolls game. Well, not even just chasing Fortnite, but we also have to remember the example of the, of this being the right move in, well, quote unquote, right move in GTA 5, where GTA oh, yeah. Online, everyone's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, I play GTA for the single player campaign and I didn't really play GTA Online, but I am also clearly not representative of the general public that has made that a truly massive hit on just an absolutely absurd scale. So yes, I can understand why more traditionally single player games would want to integrate multiplayer. Uh, I'm I'm glad that some are still resisting the temptation because I don't think something like God of War recently would have remotely benefited from any multiplayer mode whatsoever. Um, now, sometimes it can be harmless. Like when Uncharted has multiplayer, like that's fine. And that's not really just added mode the really. story. Yeah. But well, yeah, for the most know. part, Rockstar doing GTA five and having GTA online is an, is an example of how you can do it really well. I'm going to say with that with a caveat, but because they also never did any single player DLC, which is just shit. That remains, in, that remains insane to me. Like I get the GTA online is a success, but that was just throwing money away. <laughs> oh yeah, that they didn't do so much that. money. Oh my god, they yeah. could still release that and make a bunch of money. But but really, for the most part, like you could play Grand Theft Auto Five and never pick up GTA Online and have a great time. You know, the game was, you know, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a fully fledged single player game. GTA Online isn't. It's not like the two have to be played together there's nothing about one that impacts the other in a way that diminishes the experience i like that about it you know it's it's a good uh it's a good balance and then i guess on the flip side another game i'm looking forward to at e3 um is black ops 4 and they've completely abolished the campaign in in for the first time in call of duty mm-hmm. um which strange, you know, something I guess, that will be like a battle royale mode but yeah and i i actually think that that's you know, I think that was it bothered me more at first, and I'm actually kind of like, okay, and I, I don't know, it, it, it's probably not that big of a deal actually. It makes sense. So yeah, I'm that's curious something to we talked about last time, where I think we've, yeah. we've come to terms with that decision. I just hope it's not. I don't know. It's not everything moving that way, and we're going to only rely on Sony and <laughs> Nintendo originals to have you know single player stuff that we hey, love again but sony does it well do you think they're going to show the last of us part two do you know if, if oh anything? i i would have to imagine they will i think they'll still so do a, a gameplay sure. thing of it um yeah. I, I mean i don't think that's coming out until at earliest spring 2019 probably yeah. fall 2019 if i had to guess yeah. um but I, i'm very curious to see more of that and kind of get a better sense um, in terms of Sony stuff, there's also Spider-Man. I want to see more of that. Although we've seen a fair chunk. so We saw a whole freaking month of Game Informer <laughs> exclusive reveals yeah. every day uh, yeah. when it was their cover story. So, um, there, yeah, that, I think – I mean they will show it, but that's not exactly a mystery at this point. I mean I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but I, I don't know how much time they'll focus on that with so much footage out there. They always have surprises up their sleeves, so – yeah. I, I don't know what what else to kind of expect. And like, it's clearly too early for a God of War sequel announcement. Like, obviously it's going to get one because of how well it's done. But um, oh, yeah. okay. I don't know. I wonder if they could be, they, they could end up pulling some sort of like surprise, like un, Uncharted far-flung game that there's like a, a Nathan Drake free Uncharted thing if they're going to keep going with the series. Um, yeah. I don't know. Don't we need an update on like the Final Fantasy VII remake or whatever? <laughs> Probably. I what I'm really hoping for is something from From Software, whether it's a another Bloodborne style collaboration with Sony, their or, Game of Thrones game. <laughs> yeah, the Game of Thrones game or whatever. You know, they had that teaser a while ago. Yeah. That oh, was oh, really yeah. really short on any. Kind yeah, of there'll detail be something with that. Imagery. You know what else? There there will be. Gear, I bet you any amount of money they're going to tease if not have a trailer for horizon too. Um, oh yeah. 
Def- yeah. That's definitely going to happen. Um, Horizon One Dawn. God. <laughs> <laughs> Horizon Dawn Tide. Stranger Pod things Challenge. have happened. Remember how <laughs> we, we were used to it by now, but like, remember when that was announced? When what like a horrible name that was. It's so like <laughs> it actually made sense once you played the game, but like it's still kind of a terrible name. We just all got used to it. Yeah, but, there's so many badly named games. I wrote about this not long ago. This there was this um, mute uh, mutant. It's like, like mutant year zero or something, isn't it? I thought bro, it was, yeah. but it's like five words. It's like I don't know. See, it's a bad name because we can't remember it. You know, it's a good name. Anthem. That's a pretty good name. That is a good game. name. I don't think you Destiny know? is a very good name. It's just because it doesn't make any right. sense. Well, it's <laughs> but, as generic as the game, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just generic know. like the hive. Everything Bungie does is generic. Like, it's like quasi-mystic generic. The capital letter something proper noun. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I have, that's all, that's another podcast though. But um, yeah. I think it was last, our last podcast or something. Uh, you know what's a good know. name is Hero. <laughs> Killer, which is incidentally the name of my next next book, which uh, comes up. <laughs> oh wait, I'm probably not allowed to <laughs> edit this out. Edit this out. Um, <laughs> this is a good plug. Uh, but um, okay, <laughs> shifting. All right, so Microsoft. Uh, I, so there's supposedly a leak where allegedly we're going to see a new Gears announced, a new Halo announced, Forza Forza Four and Sunset Overdrive Two. Um, and Lord only knows what Crackdown 3 is doing. I, I wouldn't be surprised to just somehow not see Crackdown, even though it's supposed to come out yeah. in like September. Um, <laughs> but I, well, Halo, Halo makes sense. Like it's, it's time to announce a new Halo. I don't know how excited I am about the prospect of a new Halo, unless it's some yeah. kind of dramatic reinterpretation of the franchise at this point. Cause like, just if it's kind of a sequel to Halo 5. Like, I thought Halo 5 was fine, and it was probably the best Halo game since 3, but the world has moved on, and this is like the ninth Halo game now, and I just, I gotta see something new from that, and from Gears, frankly, because, I mean, Gears 4 was, again, fine, but it just, it's these new studios trying to kind of recapture the magic of these games that are now 10 years old, and they're just not as interesting as they used to be following pretty much the exact same format. So I, if those are announced, if that is true, I'm, I'm really hoping they kind of break out from, from the mold and, you know, not that I want Halo battle Royale or Lord only knows like, but you know, some, <laughs> something different and something that's going to stand out. I mean, be like, yes, like I really want to, you know, pick up this, the series again. If, if I had to guess about the Microsoft concert conference though, and their, their announcements is there's going to be a lot of third party stuff. So there's going to be some battlefield five stuff. Speaking of bad names, well, they could close um, with Anthem again. Like they did last year. That was like literally <laughs> crackdown got a minute and a half and Anthem got like 40 minutes of prime. Yeah. Making time. the EA uh, conference totally redundant. Like uh, so I don't know. I don't know why these companies spend so much money on the EA doesn't care. EA, it's like you know, double, double. Yeah, they their just money, don't. But... They don't even need to have their own. They could just do all theirs. At Microsoft is so few, like true, like <laughs> exclusives. Like I, I don't know. I guess once when the Xbox One X was a thing, like they had at least a lot of hardware stuff to brag about. But like clearly, yeah. we're not on pace for some sort of hardware reveal. I wouldn't imagine. No, no, no. no. Um, you will probably I, see I some Sea of Thieves stuff and some State of Decay 2 stuff. Honestly, that's well, where like DLC, like, yep. I mean. Mm-hmm. DLC and they'll have like a big reel about like, they'll, they'll show like, okay, here's, I can picture it now. Sea of Thieves. They show some, some, uh, a gag reel of like the influencers on YouTube, like having so oh, much yeah. fun with oh, it yeah, and then sure. they, they like have a big like orchestral <laughs> thing where they show the hidden deep like dlc thing and then they they reveal the next one that's coming out in july or august or whatever and like make this big huge thing out of it like you know you know how it goes this should be a lot of just silly hype over a game that's already out because microsoft is literally at that point with their you know when we talk about sony we're like oh my god what are they gonna what are they gonna show us like some they're, they're going to show us things we know about, but they're probably going to show us new stuff. Yeah, they have all, Nintendo. Oh, same like, thing. Whoa, they're going to show think, us a bunch of cool I stuff. I wonder if I wonder if Microsoft could like close with Fable Four because like, we know that that exists. I just don't know how far along that is. So I feel yeah. like it would just be a cinematic trailer, and then I mean, which yeah, no, that that might be fine in and of itself. But again, that's 
one of their new studios trying to take on a thing that has not been good or even around for at least 10 years now or whatever, 15 or whatever it's been. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I liked the first two and a half Fable games, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The end of Fable 3 was the worst. Well, but, you know, I'm just, I don't have very high expectations. I definitely have higher expectations for Sony and Nintendo. Um, yeah, Nintendo, as as, like, so Nintendo's going to have Smash, so that's... Mm-hmm. And it's going to be playable, and that's all everyone is... Yeah, they're going to show off more... Like Nintendo is just... They've done pretty much nothing all year, and then they're going to come out with Smash and Pokemon, and they're going to sell, like, 40 million Switches, and, yeah, <laughs> like, nothing else will matter. Like, that that's literally what's going to happen. And, like, I, I, do I hope did not think... Stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think they could top last year with Breath of the Wild and, and Odyssey. And, like, maybe they won't term, top it in terms of quality, but, like, Smash and Pokemon Switch are just going to blow the doors off in terms of, of yeah. at least sales like i'm sure they'll be good too but oh man they, they've really gotten their scheduling down a lot better now that was like the yes. primary problem well not the primary problem but a very big problem with the wii u so yeah, i'm, I'm really, hoping they've, they've gotten turned, past that they've turned a new leaf for sure i i personally am not a huge smash or pokemon player so these are not my my you know i'm much more excited about zelda and mario but uh, I also am hoping that we see like, you know, some, uh, some, you know, Metroid, you know, some things like that are a little less, you know, hugely popular, but that, you know, we get a glimpse of where they're going with some more interesting stuff. Well, they'll, we they'll definitely seen. show the Metroid sequel yeah. to some extent. I mean, they'll Maybe have an actual them. trailer rather than just the logo. I mean, I don't know if they'll show gameplay and that's probably yeah. at least still a year and a half out. I would imagine if not more, um, Hmm, what else? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have... They might come out with some sort of big surprise, but I, I don't even know what they need. Like, they, they always seem to manage to end up winning E3 every year somehow. <laughs> like, at the last minute, despite not even having a stage show. <laughs> like, it's, it's Nintendo, man. Well, they set up a lot of places for people to play there and then they have their you know ongoing stream of the treehouse stuff they, they do it pretty well they're 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 strangely like modern with it yeah but I mean, like then yesterday not- they announced like three enormous pokemon games and there's not even a freaking twitch stream of it i, know, I had to, so I had to so quote unquote watch the thing by watching like people retweet gifs of <laughs> what was being shown on the screen it's like are you kidding me like why would you not live stream that Oh, Nintendo. I don't, I don't get you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other games, I'm just going to list off a few because I think we need to wrap this up pretty soon, yeah. but, um, Death Stranding, that's another, you know, that's the, um, Hideo Kojima, Norman Reedus game. Game of the year uh, 2030. Yep. Coming someday, but I'm sure we'll get some weird trippy looking trailer and that will be fun. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, um, uh, from Ubisoft. I yeah, think that game man, that's still at least two years away. It does look fascinating. Yeah. That is so far away though. <laughs> yeah. Um Ghosts of Tsushima, which is the uh the samurai game from I don't um, know what that is. Do you don't? It's um no. hold on. It's it's you know what it is. It's uh Ghost of what? Sucker Punches? It's Sucker Punches Samurai game. I swear I've never heard of this. <laughs> okay. Okay, you have, first of all, okay. definitely. You're just not remembering. Okay, so look up look up it's T S U S H I M A. T S E U what? <laughs> okay, T and then the word sushi and then sushi. The, then ma. T sushi ma. But in okay. one word. And and it's sushi ma go We've only ever seen a teaser trailer for it, which is maybe why you've forgotten it, but it looks it's a samurai game, so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Um, seeing maybe some gameplay, I see what that vaguely remember this about. teaser. Maybe, yeah, it, it Bare, you know, barely is this PS4 well, exclusive? Yeah, I think uh, so. Of course, it is. I, I, I'm not 100 sure on that, but I, I think it is. Um, oh, it's so Sucker that, Punch. Oh, it's in, yeah, it's Infamous punch. guys. Oh, weird. Okay, yeah. well, mm-hmm. that should be interesting. Um, so that, that, you know, we don't know anything about that, but that looks really interesting. Um, shadow of the tomb Raider, probably see some of that. Um, then let's see. What's what's Ubisoft doing besides good and evil? Um, maybe a new new Assassin's Creed. Skull and Bones, their pirate game. Yeah. I was Um, more excited about that when I thought it was a real pirate game. 
Yeah, I know it's not that it's not that exciting. Um, yeah. They're they're gonna have uh, a new um, uh, what's the stealth the stealth guy? Uh, the dishonor? No, no, no. no. Bethesda. What, what are you it's, talking about? Um, it's the stealth. It's their stealth series, not Ghost Recon, but the um, Splinter Cell. Splinter. Oh, Cell, Splinter sorry. Cell. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna show a new Splinter Cell. Okay. Um. Oh, um. Well, this is moving to Act. This is moving to Activision, but they're gonna have, I'm sure, the big Destiny expansion for the fall. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, that'll probably be like 30 minutes of Sony's show. <laughs> oh yeah, and then more, uh, a lot more Black Ops stuff, obviously. Yeah. And then I, I mentioned Rage 2 just a second ago, but that would that's Bethesda, of course. But that's another one that I'm curious to see more of. Um, yeah. Supposedly we're not seeing Borderlands 3, which I swear that game's never going to come out. But I guess not. Seriously. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Wait till well after the loot craze has died down. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are a lot of, I mean, we've listed quite a few games. Other, the only thing missing really is any interesting um, Xbox exclusives. But beyond that, you know, there's <laughs> missing every year. <laughs> yeah, that's just always. always I mean, there's fun. rumored ones, but I mean, we'll, we'll have more to talk about once there's going to be keep being more leaks. So we'll have okay. a lot to talk about in the actual shows in what, like a week and a half. So yeah, it's coming right up and, you know, yeah. just days away from when this <laughs> podcast airs. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll just, we'll probably have to have a follow up podcast on this um, that just sort of touches on what, what is shown um, at the big conferences and whatnot and what we, you know, what matched our expectations and what didn't, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll cool. see. Uh, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. That's it for this episode of a world. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Perez. And I'm Satchel Drakes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach us at overworld at podcast one. That's O N E.com. And also you can reach us on Twitter. My handle is at Satchel Drakes. That's Satchel like a bag with an extra L. And mine is Matt Ryan Perez. Thanks for listening. Take care. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. At the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is... Tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.